Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Strike away from his 500th strikeout. Check swing. And it's strike three for the 13th strikeout tonight. Shohei Otani has tied his career high. Welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian Speed Reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. Yes, we always have plenty of baseball to talk about, and goodness, we have Shohei Otani to get to, as always, it seems like now. That's become a mainstay in, in everything we're talking about each week. But first, as I made sure to let Sarah know, before we even started Thinking about prepping for this, I wanted to start the podcast off with explaining, learning more, and talking with Sarah about her fist bumps for ALS idea that she launched on Tuesday, which was her birthday. Um, I don't think it's any surprise by now, but there's literally no one on this planet who loves their birthday more than Sarah. And... What was at least cool here is just finding a way to share that excitement for that day with your ALS community and everyone who is able to support it. And this idea I know you have been working on for much longer than just Tuesday. Um, So how did you land on fist bumps being what you wanted everyone to post? And uh, I guess, like, are you excited about what you've seen of it so far i definitely am i mean we'll start with the fact that as you mentioned yes big fan birthday certainly mine but everybody's you know we wish uh your mom a happy birthday on here what two podcasts ago one podcast ago i have no sense of time but Point being, it's not just about mine. It's about everybody's birthday and about the fact that I really do think they're worth celebrating. Now, when you add in the fact that May, which my birthday is right at the beginning of, is ALS Awareness Month, and you add in the fact that Lou Gehrig's famous streak that was, of course, broken by um, Cal Ripken, uh, early in both of our lifetimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very early. <laughs> but was uh, a very famous streak and is, of course, what he's known for, the Iron Man. 
that streak ended on May 2nd. So his final game played was April 30th of that year. The Yankees had an off day on May 1st, and then it was May 2nd when he took himself out of lineup. That is my birthday. So given all of that coming together, I got this idea. I mean, months ago, you could probably tell me the first time I mentioned to you, but I was thinking I wanted to use all of the energy that I always channel for my birthday to raise awareness and raise money for ALS research. Now, the fist bump part took me a while to come to. I knew I wanted to do something. We've seen the uh, ice bucket challenge. We've seen uh, keep swinging for ALS recently. There've been other things. I knew I wanted something pretty easy to do that people could post online and share and have some fun with. And uh, one of the things about my having ALS is that high fives are not the easiest thing to give anywhere. It sounds silly, but they just aren't. Fist bumps are the way to go. And one night I was literally just lying in bed. I think I texted you about it at like 5 a.m. Uh, and all yeah. of a sudden it just came to me. Fist bumps for ALS, they're such a common thing in baseball and out. Everybody's got some photo on their phone or a video of them giving a fist bump or be an easy thing to do. So I have been so overwhelmed. I mean, the day of my birthday was super overwhelming in a really good way. And I got to see you, which we'll have to talk about next. Uh, but all of the reaction, team accounts, the Cubs posted like four photos they found of Cubs players fist bumping. I know the official account from uh, Little League in the U.S. posted some and there have been a handful already. And then of course people, individuals getting in on it. You had yours with Terry Francona, which was so great. Mm. And that kind of gets us to the next thing which was the amazing thing that the baseball gods gave us, which was you in town. I live in the New York area. Mandy, of course, lives in Cleveland, covers the Guardians. Seeing a friend, a best friend, who is a beat writer during the season is basically a no-go. I always look at the schedule, and whenever the Guardians come to New York, the first question is, are you on the road trip? And often, just with the way scheduling works, Mandy isn't on that trip. So I was very excited that she would be on the trip this year. And I remember at one point looking at the schedule and realizing not only would you be on the trip, but that that series was May 1st to 3rd, which meant you would be at Yankee Stadium on my birthday. So I was lucky enough to come there, sit in the press box next to you, both of us just doing our work, beginning to be there and hang out. And of course, you showered me with treats, which I'm still working my way through. But it was just <laughs> such a wonderful way to spend my birthday. I mean, there were, had to be a lot of things that went right for that, and it... I don't know how it did because it really shouldn't have. I could not imagine. I could not believe it when I saw that. 
they were in New York on the week of your birthday, on the day of your birthday, that whole stretch. And like you said, it, you, I never know where I'm going to be. I don't make my schedule. And to find out that I was on that trip was very exciting to be able to then have your schedule line up. Um, I know your boyfriend's crazy busy as well because he's with ESPN and the whole NBA department. And uh, if you don't know, NBA is a little busy yes, this time of year. Kinda. So to have all of your schedules match up to get you to Yankee Stadium with me at the same time, same day, on the best day of the year, I mean, that's as good as it gets. And then everything continued to keep going right because I found somehow which between you your favorite things are red velvet and banana pudding yes. and somehow magnolia bakery has a red velvet banana pudding cookie and i'm like all right everything's just working out too much right now so i had to at least get those even though i'm looking at them like this looks like <laughs> the most disgusting thing that i could have eaten and red velvet and banana pudding are not in my head the ideal dessert but hey you can have that. That's fine. I need so much more chocolate if I'm going to go dessert route. But it looked like you, you liked it, so that was fine. Was that was amazing. not. I was only a little bit judging. Delicious. That's fine. I mean, See? Okay. So, it worked. So good. And to get to eat it, sitting next to you in the press box and getting <laughs> to work, too. I mean, you know, uh, something that Mike and Matt talked about on Monday on their edition of the podcast was the new home run tracker account on Twitter from StatCast. It's at Home Run Report. Started on Monday. It's a really full, cool thing where you can see fun graphics and information about each home run hit in the majors, and it tells you how many ballparks it would have been out of. And that's something that I've been meaning to mention to you. But since we're sitting right next to each other, I got to pull it up and say, hey, look at these pretty graphics. And then like two innings later, there was a home run the Guardians gave up that looked like a Yankee Stadium 1 of 1 of, one of 30. But it wasn't. It would have also been out in five other parks, including Progressive. And you immediately were like, hey, I'm going to share that with all the Guardians fans who follow me. So, you know, corporate synergy right there and best friend synergy. And less having to bother you on Slack because you were right there beside me and you were like, oh, well, that catch looked pretty good. Let me go check out the yeah. stats on that for you. I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. I can have to have Sarah right beside me during this. I don't have to message her and annoy her. And she's just right here and she can answer all that stuff. And whenever I'm looking up things and maybe not doing it in the most efficient way, yes. you were just like, hey, you might want to try this. I'm like, oh, wow. What, what a world it is to understand how this whole internet thing works. Um, it was it was great. And I think highlighted so far, obviously highlighted by the launching of this fist bumps. I was so excited to be able to be with you that day that this was all happening. No, for so many reasons, that was an overwhelming day. Um, the support that you've already received with that, not just even participation on social media, but on that website, you just keep seeing that number go up and up and up. I know you have been very close with uh, Project ALS and this whole 
weird adventure that you've now had to embark upon. I guess that's the way to put it. Um, and so just to be able to pair with an organization that you feel so highly about, um, I think that speaks wonders about it. So everyone should know that if Sarah Langs gives it the stamp of approval, you know it's legit. And so for them to be able to also be benefiting from your birthday is, is really awesome. And it's been, it's so cool to see the people who are, willing and able to to help in this process it made me so happy throughout the process of raising money during the half marathon and now doing this the people who always say like i don't have much to give but here's a couple dollars those those things just oh every time i get goosebumps it's just like it's nice and reminder these types of things are a nice reminder that the world is still good even though social media only wants to tell us all the bad things going on in it. And there's so many bad things going on in it. But just to have this reminder that there are little crevices in the corners of the world that are good and bright. And this is one of them. So it's been so nice to have that reminder. It's been wonderful. And again, if you're listening and you want to get involved, you can tweet or Instagram or whatever social media you might be on. Uh, any photo or video of you fist bumping a human or a pet or a statue or whatever you can think of. I'm staring at some bobbleheads. I feel like we need someone fist bumping <laughs> a bobblehead. I'm looking at Michael Rodriguez's bobblehead, and, uh, which was coordinated by both you and Jason Bernard. I almost ended up with two. Uh, but by the way, that's another baseball gods moment, which was that it was Julio Rodriguez bobblehead day during our uh, opening weekend, and Mandy was there, so uh, that was huge. But back to the fist bump. Fist bump something. Again, now I'm suggesting bobbleheads, pets, whatever, whoever is around you. And if you do want to donate, uh, there's websites on my Twitter, it's pinned to the top, or if you're familiar with short links, it's literally just bit.ly slash fistbumps for ALS with a four instead of the word F-O-R. And I really appreciate all the support, and, you know, it's a really fun thing to be sharing awareness as we lead up to Gary Day which is now less than a month away. I want more creativity. Yes. Let's do it, people. I, I want to I have a challenge out there of like how we can get more creative with doing these things. Um, the pets ones have been hilarious so far. Jeff Passan yeah. had his, was, which was very funny. Annie Rogers, our Royals writer, she had Harry. I, that's the sole purpose of me nominating her was to see Harry. I knew that we would get good Harry content. Her <laughs> dog, so stinking cute. And was so good at it. Like, yes. he's, he's still like a puppy. Like, he's not very old, and he's so obedient. It's unbelievable. Um, he did it immediately, and she, like, sent it to me real quick before she posted She's like, is this good? Is this what you're looking for? I'm like, that was perfect. Like, that was awesome. The dog crushed it. And so that's when it's funny because I know Lindsay Adler is still trying to work on hers because Fisher, <laughs> anyone who follows Lindsay Adler knows Fisher, her dog. Fisher's not getting it. And it, I was in New York with her this week after I nominated her um, because she wanted Fisher to participate. But then she didn't realize that he doesn't understand the command paw yet. 
And so they've been working on it. They were out in public. She was <laughs> trying to get Fisher to give her a paw bump. And he just stared blankly back into her soul and was not responding. And she said that there were so many groups of people around her just, like, sort of watching her. <laughs> like, why are you saying that? And the best part was she sent a video and showed me some stuff in the clubhouse, too, when I was with her, of trying all of these attempts. The best part was that she kept saying to Fisher, like, fist bump, fist bump for Sarah's birthday, for Sarah's birthday. As, as if for Sarah's birthday is supposed to mean something. To fish, I don't know. It was just, it was all very funny, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the creativity that'll come. I can't this. wait for that one. And by the way, like, that's another great part of my getting to be at a game on my birthday. I got to see Lindsay, who I hadn't seen since the World Baseball Classic. I got to see your co-beatmates, Paul Hoynes and Zach Meisel. I got to see our Brian Hoke. I mean, just being around. All of these colleagues, we work in the weirdest line of work there is to me. Yeah. Because we have a million coworkers, especially if you include those in other outlets, who we all kind of work together covering the sport online, if you think about it. A million peers, maybe, is a better word. And, I mean... You could go years without seeing them or see them every day or see them every day for 10 days and then again not for another year. So getting to be in that environment and just see a baseball game, hear fans cheer and boo and do all of their things. It was just a great, great environment to be in. Yeah, one of a friend of ours that's, you know, on our beat, I was with him in spring training and when we were leaving, I was like, I guess I'll see you for, he's getting married in December. I was like, I guess I'll see you at your wedding in December next, which it just seems so weird in February to see, be like, all right, see you in December. Like our job is very weird. So yes, it was so nice for everyone to be together. Um, and we could continue to go on and on and on about all of this stuff. We'll take a quick break right now. We'll come back. We'll talk about Otani because he gives us all the reasons to continue to talk about him and then we can get into the Rays and the ALE specifically later on in the show. So stay with us. We have so much more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. back to the ballpark dimensions podcast i'm mandy that's sarah and we have no time to waste now because we babbled on for you know that's that's just a preview into what it's like to talk to us because we'll say oh we'll just talk for a few minutes on this topic and then we look down and it's an hour later so we are now steering back towards baseball actually on the field and shohei otani i'm telling you like when you wrote down on our document our little prep document just that show was going to be talked about again. 
I hadn't seen what he had done yet. I just saw it real quick and I was like, okay, let me just go check. Um, obviously, he probably set some sort of record for something. And what do you know? I see a headline that he joins Babe Ruth. I'm like, same thing, different day. Like, here we are again. And uh, ridiculous, ridiculous numbers as always. And I don't know how our Rhett Bollinger continues to come up with different leads and ways to write about him because I swear it has to be so difficult at some point. Um, but now he's uh, the uh, second player in ALNL history. I'm now I'm getting better at remembering to say that instead of MLB history. ALNL history to have 500 strikeouts and 100 home runs. Correct. Uh, the face okay. that you were reacting to was something else. We'll chat later. But okay, uh, everyone, we do talk outside the podcast. That may surprise you. But, yes, last night uh, we were talking here on Thursday, Thursday afternoon, on Wednesday night in St. Louis, Shohei Otani tied his career high with 13 strikeouts. And as you alluded to, the 13th was the 500th of his career. He has 134 career home runs as a batter. The only guys with 500 strikeouts and 100 home runs in MLB history are him and Babe Ruth, who had 501 strikeouts and then, of course, 714 home runs. You know what I'm really excited for? <laughs> and we've talked about this, and I've done my no disrespect line. No disrespect to Babe Ruth, obviously. But I am so excited for two more Tawny strikeouts. Because I think then we can stop talking about Babe Ruth. I mean, I thought we were past Babe Ruth two years ago. And again, there's nothing against what he did, obviously. 714 home runs is in a very, very short list, as we know. But nothing that he did was remotely close to what Shohei Otani is doing. When Otani first came over the U.S. in 2018, everyone wanted to compare him to Babe Ruth. And when he won that MVP in 2021, everyone wanted to compare him to Babe Ruth. And I was sitting here thinking, Babe Ruth was not hitting a ball 114 or 118 miles an hour and throwing 100 mile an hour pitches. It was just a different game. It's not his fault. But he also never, he never had the type of season Otani had in 21 or even last year or this year where he was one of the two best pitchers in all of baseball and among the home run leaders in the sport. He was never doing both at the exact same time in that way. So my mind, when Otani gets to 502 strikeouts, and passes Babe Ruth there, maybe we will finally stop comparing them. And again, I love this note. I love this stat. I'm not criticizing this stat. I'm criticizing an old guy who's better at baseball than I ever would, but who's dead. But I'm just <laughs> saying, Otani is in a class of his own. It's a really, really cool thing. And I actually love so. When I posted this stat, I did it as a list. And I said, most career strikeouts 
for pitchers with at least 100 career home runs. So again, Ruth is first for now. Otani is next, but I always like to see who's next after that. So after the two of them, the most career strikeouts as a pitcher by a player with 100 or more career home runs is George Sisler with 63 strikeouts and 102 home runs. And I just love discovering little things like that. And if there's one thing Shohei Otani gives us, just so many discoveries of guys like Wes Farrell and Cy Seymour, guys who were never on even the Ruth level, let alone the Otani level, but guys who you mostly know was better, who actually did pitch men, or guys who were pitchers who were better hitting pitchers than you realize. I hope, because you look at, you look at this stuff and like your argument is right. Like there's going to be a point and we're basically there that you don't need to compare these two anymore. It's fun to because Babe Ruth is a name that everyone knows. And even if it's not a baseball fan, you bring up to anyone on the street and you bring up and you say baseball Babe Ruth, they'd be like, yeah, I've heard of Babe Ruth or whatever. Uh, I'm hopeful that because we're starting to reach this point that Otani is larger than life. He's larger than baseball. He's better than anyone who's really ever taken the field ever. Uh, that That name is known worldwide just as well. I don't I don't know if it is at this point. I don't know if you walk up to somebody who does not pay attention to baseball at all and you say Shohei Otani if they would know who that is. Uh, and I'm hopeful that the more he keeps doing these things and the more that he is, goodness, just absolutely unbelievable that all sports fans recognize this talent that is here, that is in this generation that we all can sit here and just watch and marvel at and you know it allows us to fill a solid six seven minutes every single week on our podcast because he'll do something again by next week I'm sure and we'll have something else to talk about and you'll hear me ramble on about how he should be appreciated again because I don't know how else I don't know Brett I don't Brett if you hear this I don't know how you keep coming up with new words to keep saying about his greatness because that would be so difficult because what are they? I mean, he's, like, he, there's no words to describe what he's able to do. And I think that's why the default is always to go back to Babe Ruth. Because Babe Ruth is this image, this name that we associate baseball being. He was, like, the greatest of all time. He was the name that was the the best baseball player ever. And it's the only way that our brains can sit here and try to process the level of talent that he is. It's just going back to he's better than the greatest player that we've ever associated with this game. So trying to process process this in our own heads, I think that's the only way that we are able to do it right now. And I think that he's at a point almost where it's just like he's on a level of his own and we can just say he's Shohei Otani and we we don't need to reason with ourselves or justify in our heads how good that is because I don't think it's possible to process I just don't want anyone to get jaded we need to remember every day as you said every week for us every day for Rat and everyone who covers that team 
that he is incredible. He did both ways, you know, hitting and pitching an insane level in 2021. Then in 2022 and 2023, he has been a top five or top two or top one pitcher in baseball and also a really good hitter. We can't get used to it. That does a disservice to the game, to him, to everybody. We need to remember every time we go to his page that this isn't human. This isn't normal. (laughs) This will probably never happen again. And we just need to not get used to it because mm-hmm. this this is alien, it's unicorn, and I mean that in the best way possible. I mean, he, he has two more 10 strikeout games than anyone else in the majors since the start of last year. In that same span, he has hit 41 home runs. He has 13 10 strikeout games since the start of last year. Here, Cole and Carlos Rodon have 11. They don't have even one home run. They don't even have one extra base hit, and I know they haven't gotten the chance, but if anyone were able to do this, they would be getting the chance. He's just on another level. And again, to the pitching prowess point, so he reached 500 strikeouts in just 388 and two-thirds career innings pitch. That is the second fewest innings for anyone to reach 500 strikeouts as a starting pitcher behind only Corbin Burns, who got there in 365 innings. That's baseball history. I know guys strike out more these days, but this guy is out here hitting 134 career home runs and getting to 500 strikeouts faster than every starting pitcher in baseball history except for one guy. I, I don't know how else to explain how incredible this is, but to the, to the point you're making about Red, obviously I don't cover the team on a daily basis, but one thing I've been doing this year I've been writing up my weekly favorite stats that I've researched each week for uh, MLB PR. It goes out in a big email on Thursdays, and I also write it for a website on MLB.com. <laughs> and I believe I use the, you know, I do a little header and then I write a quick blurb. And I use some variation of Showtime, like three weeks in a row. And then today I was sitting here like, what else do I say? Even for this two-word, three-word header to get into this amazing stat. So I went with more show-stopping. But I'm going to run out of bad puns so quickly. And that's amazing. That's who he is. I have one minor thing to go over with him before we can move on to the race because I do want to get to the race but with him specifically there's I know there's there's a there's a a thought maybe along the way of okay yes it's really cool that he's doing this but like everyone was a two-way player growing up and through high school and through college and it's like well shouldn't pitchers be able to hit more shouldn't this like why like all those types of things 
And if you have any type of, of thought of how players were always a two-way player growing up, the pitchers always hit, and why does that fall off at some point? You can do both, and you have done both in your lifetime if you are a professional pitcher. The thing that separates it is if you want to be elite, the the way you get to the major leagues, I mean, it's such a small percentage of people who become a major league baseball player. And to get there, you have to be exceptional at this game. And when you're there, you have to put in so many hours into your craft, whatever your craft is. And for offensive players, like for position players, that's mostly hitting. Like, yes, you everyone has to field their position as well. That takes a lot of time and dedication too. But you have to become a major league hitter, and that takes hours. I cannot explain how much time and effort goes into those types of things as you're working your way up through your minor league career. And somehow, if it's possible, even more hours go into being an exceptional pitcher. And especially those pitchers who can really build from their college careers or whatever and gain velocity. You have to sit there and break down your mechanics and go like centimeter by centimeter, almost as if you're making like a claymation back in the 70s and everything is you move by like a little centimeter, you take a picture and you have analyzed centimeter picture. Like you look at everything frame by frame and that takes countless hours that I don't know how people are able to just dedicate so much time into that one thing. Not let alone building yourself up in the weight room to make sure that you can throw in the upper 90s now because it seems like that's what everyone's doing except for the Cleveland rotation, but I digress. Uh, everyone else seems to be having so much velocity and you have to be able to hang with the way that everyone's developing and becoming elite. Imagine spending so many hours a week on trying to just be an elite pitcher, but then also balancing the same number of hours that hitters put in to be an elite hitter. It just, it never works. It does not work. And that's why you don't see this. You can be an average player throughout high school and college and all that stuff and do both and be average at both and professional teams pick you out when they see the foundation is set to then sculpt you and help build you and develop you to be elite at that point. But you have to drop off the other stuff to focus on that one thing to be elite at that one thing. I don't know how Otani has the hours in the day. I don't know if he's figured out some time machine to add more hours to his day or what it is. That is the secret for him to be able to be so nearly perfect at both. And I think that's what we're not all appreciating is the hours that go into being an elite person at one thing. And he is doing it at what everyone is trying to do. And I, I just, I can't process He did it. Um, in the off season, was it entering this year or entering last year? He did an interview with, or there was a profile of him by GQ. And the one thing I remember was that he has a custom pillow that was created by this company that like measures you. And to your point of the way he has mastered science and the space-time continuum to get enough sleep and train and do both at a high level. I was thinking about the fact that he has a special pillow, that his sleep is really on another level of quality compared <laughs> to ours. 
Yeah, they, um, yeah, there's a whole video. He even video. sleeps better than us. I bet <laughs> if you Google, like, Shohei Otani pillow or Shohei Otani GQ, it was a really cool interview where they had him, and he was showing it. I think GQ does, like, a series where it's, like, five most important things, so he was showing off these items. And Ten things he can't live there without. There we go, see? And it was a really cool video, and the pillow, just hearing about that pillow, <laughs> I remember being like, that's why he's showing Tony and I'm not. It's all the pillow. He even sleeps better than us. He does it all better. Yeah. Anyway, we, again, goodness, we're on topics that we can just keep going. Let's move on. I'm ending this. We're done with Shohei Otani for this moment because I'm sure we'll be back to him next week. The Rays, again, like Shohei, they're a topic every single week. And you literally just tweeted an hour ago at the time that we're recording this that the best starts through 32 games since 1900 and they're in that list because they are what is it 26 and mm -hmm. 6 and so there was four teams that were 26 and 6 and three teams that were 27 and 5 and that's it those are the best starts since 1900 and i i couldn't imagine being a race fan because you're almost spoiled during this because if they just lose a game, you're like, oh, man, gosh, they suck. Like, it was just one game. And I'm like, no, no, this isn't how it's supposed to work. Like, you're supposed to lose at least a couple along the way. And this has to be just so fun for them, for fans to be able to watch. They are the first team to start at least 26 and 6 through 32 games since the Tigers in 1984. So, first of all, that is a long time since we've seen a team do this. And, of course, that team won the World Series. The last team to do it before that was the 1939 Yankees, who were 26-6. So this does not happen often. And, again, to everybody who said that this team feasted on a bad schedule early in the year, they're still here. They're still doing this. They faced plenty of teams at this point. And they were just facing the Pirates, who were really good this year. You might think, oh, was the Pirates, whatever. But no, these Pirates, I mean, people are deeming it the uh, May World Series preview. And while that may be a bit of an overstatement, they were facing good competition. My favorite stat with them right now is they're 21-0 when they score first. They have not lost a game where they got out to a lead. That is the longest winning streak when scoring first to start a season since 1900. The prior longest streak was the 1990 Reds who were 20-0 when scoring first to start the season. They led their division wire to wire and won the World Series. So early in the year, people are like, oh, yeah, great start, but that doesn't mean anything. We are getting into the list where the teams to do what the Rays have done won the World Series. Now, it's harder now. The World Series is the hardest it's ever been to win 
You have to win so many more games than even those 1984 Tigers or 1990 Reds. We have more rounds. You're facing so many different teams. But they're in a really, really good spot right now, at least in the regular season. And, I mean, they're doing this in a division that's not the easiest to be in. And this division, I know you wrote earlier this week, I guess your birthday, it was published. (laughs) Um, Let's go back to that again. Anyway, uh, you wrote about how fun this division is and I think the headline was something about it being maybe the best division ever like you start thinking of those types of things and it it could be but we don't know we have to let this play out what was basically the moral of that whole story and the angle of going into it and how this could be historic on the pace that they're on so where we are right now uh, and there are three games involving ALE seems still to go today when we're speaking, but no matter what happens in those games, every team in the AL East will be above 500, and barring something pretty drastic, they'll all have above, um, all have positive run differentials. So right now, and again, this will change minutely by the end of the day, but only slightly. Right now, the Ailes has a 631 winning percentage. The highest winning percentage we have seen in a season for a division with five teams in it was the Ailes last year at 541. So the biggest takeaway there is that is a huge difference, 631 to 541. And... Part of why this is possible is the new balance schedule. So for the first time since interleague began, we have every team playing every team. Teams are playing fewer games within their division, which means more chances to beef up that overall divisional record, right? Because every game within the division is 500 for the ALEs. Every time the Red Sox play the Rays, the division goes one and one. But when the Yankees play the Guardians, when the Yankees play the Braves, when any of those series happen, that's when the division can really boost itself. And it means that those teams in the ALEs will have fewer chances to cut each other down and more chances to feast on teams outside the division. So as it stands right now, the Ailes has a 681 winning percentage outside the division. The highest we have seen for a five-team division is again that 2022 Ailes at 577. That is 100 points better the base they're playing at this year and it's not beginner's luck because this is how the schedule is looking so yes a lot of this is the fact that the Rays got off to that crazy start but every team in that division is above 500 right now 
That's unbelievable. And I trust me, I, I've seen a lot of AL Central, and so it's even more unbelievable to see how dominant that division has been overall. Um, oh, do you have one more? Uh, I mean, we don't like negative stats on this show. But oh boy. the AL Central has the oh, yeah. lowest winning percentage right now outside the division of any division. At 379. Yeah, I wish I was surprised to hear that, but like that checks out from what I've seen so far. So that seems, that seems pretty, that seems like what I've watched. That's, you know, and uh, I'm getting preparing for a good old Guardians twin series over the weekend. So Morial Central, let's bring it on. And uh, goodness, I'm hoping at some point this summer that these teams start heating up a little bit more and see a little more competitive play because it, this division has gotten off to a very slow start, as you said, sub uh, 400 winning percentage. Anyway, on that note, there's nothing else to add. We can now take a quick break. When we come back, we can get into our favorite segment of the week, diving into the moments that stood out to us the most in baseball over the last few days. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. It's me, Mandy Bell, Sarah Langs, and our wonderful producer, Alana Schreiber. Alana, you will kick us off again and give us your favorite moment from baseball for the last week. Every week, there's just so many more moments to choose from, but I think <laughs> I'm going to take this moment to just highlight some of my favorite fashion choices in baseball of late. Um, Starting with yesterday, Jesse Winker on the Brewers, yeah, you're nodding, was wearing a lovely beaded necklace that his daughter made. It was so cute. Yeah. Stop it. It was like all these little stars, and there were all these tweets like, wholesome dad alert. It was just so adorable. I mean, it, it was the cutest thing ever. And, you know, the other one, this goes back a couple weeks, but... Daniel Vogelback on my beloved Mets was supposed to be a groomsman in his friend's wedding. Uh, he couldn't come, he had to play baseball. So he had hand-painted cleats inspired by the wedding invitation design that he wore during the day. And they're so beautiful. It's like this mountainy background. It has the date of the wedding. Amazing. And you know, I was an art student in college, right? Like I, I was a painter in a past life, still am sometimes. I love baseball and now I'm just like, I have this whole other career path for me. I never thought about, I could just paint baseball shoes. That's perfect. So yeah, I think it goes back to what Sarah was saying earlier this year. Like in 2023, we've just seen more raw personality in the games. And I think fashion choices is a one way to show that. Absolutely. Okay. Two follows. One, 
I thought you were going to talk about Daniel Vogelbach's hairdo. Oh, yes, I did see that. On Monday, he had a fascinating, like, two-breed situation. I don't even know. It was double-header. Everyone was feeling a little off and odd because that's how weekday doubleheaders go. I was there for those games. They are very fun, but a uh, fascinating hair choice. So I'm glad that one and the fashion choice. And two, I actually used to work with a woman at ESPN named Jessie Cavana. Go follow her on Twitter. She now works for the Brooklyn Nets, and she is a creative designer, and she is not her main job but in her spare time she will paint shoes and she has done like shoes for guys on the nets and she'll also paint like nikes like air force ones so that's a legit thing you could do you're opening up whole new doors of possibilities for me thank you wow this is what baseball does and somehow you mentioned the personality actually led me to make a quick decision to a different favorite moment in baseball. So I'll still mention my other one if Mandy doesn't take it later. But for now, there was a great moment of personality on Sunday baseball with the Astros and the Phillies and Eduardo Perez interviewed Jordan Alvarez. It was a great interview, very similar to the Soto and Acuna interview. We really got to see personality for, in that case, Acuna, a player who we don't always hear in his native language and just expressing himself the way he was, and then here with Jordan. So they spoke in Spanish, and then it was translated. And one of the questions Eduardo asked was they're facing the Phillies, it's a World Series rematch, and of course Jordan hit the go-ahead home run off Jose Alvarado. In Game 6 of the World Series, the Astros go on to win the World Series, come from behind in that game. Eduardo asks, how often do you go back and watch that home run? And this was Jordan's answer translated to English. That first month, I watched it every night before I fell asleep. Stop it. Now, I watch it every now and then. But that first month, I couldn't go to sleep without watching that video. Oh my gosh. How incredible is that from a guy whose personality we don't always get to see? And I tweeted that out, and every Astros fan was in the replies going, Same, Jordan, same. <laughs> Which was just an amazing moment. So I love that. I love seeing personality from players we don't always hear from, and hearing it in their native language is really what makes it so authentic and pure. Okay. I have two reasons for mine. One, in the, it's going to be in the spirit of birthday week. Am I taking the one that you're going to come back to? And then two, I had a conversation sort of similar to this already. So then it was just perfect for me to find this. Annie Rogers tweeted out a picture of Amir Garrett's birthday cake. His teammates 
surprised him with a cake and milkshakes, apparently, for his 31st birthday. And what my favorite part of was the, it was like, I mean, it wasn't like it was some uh, huge cake that was going to be split up for the whole team or something like that. Maybe it was, but not Mandy-sized slices. Um, what was funny was she said, please note the bite that was taken out of the cake by Amir when he saw it. And she had a closer picture of the cake where you just see a full-on man-sized bite into the side of the cake as if he just put his face down in it and took a bite. Now, this was perfect for me because we were just talking about this on the Cleveland Beat, like, literally a week or two ago. Not even two weeks ago. It probably was last week um, because Zach Meisel, his son's first birthday is coming up. And we were talking about smash cakes. And I was talking about how I love that concept. It's a wonderful concept. Let the baby just play with the cake and do whatever he or she wants, all that stuff. And I think it was him or Ryan Lewis from the Akron Beacon Journal. One of them said, we should still have smash cakes at adult level. Like, why do we give that up at some point? Like, how fun would that be to just have your own cake and you can just smash into a bite out of it, whatever. And then I see this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Amir Garrett is doing the adult smash cake. Like, this is the ideal dream. This is what I would kill for. And now I'm going to demand from my husband that he gets me my own smash cake every birthday because that's a wonderful idea. You can just sit there. You can just take a whole bite out of it if you want to. So I thought that was funny. Um, I It would have been even funnier, I'm sure, to watch that whole moment go down. I was so glad that Annie was able to get a picture of that cake, was able to put it out there, show some more personality, show how birthdays are celebrated, because as we know, birthdays are important. And so I wanted to uh, keep the birthday spirit alive on this week's podcast. I love that. And in the spirit of celebration, I will get in the other... What I was going to say until the way Alana presented hers reminded me of the Yordan moment, which is, since we last spoke, there are at least two new home run celebrations from teams. We have to acknowledge those. So the Nationals have a George Washington wig that they put on. It's amazing. It's so much fun. And the twins, who you'll be seeing this weekend, have a fishing vest and a like toy fishing pole. And the back of the vest says, Land of 10,000 Rakes, like Land of 10,000 Lakes, which is what some people refer to Minnesota as. I think those are the only new ones since we spoke. But anyone interrupt me if I'm wrong. But anyway, I mean, these continue to be so great. And at this point, I feel like there are more teams that don't have one than teams that do, which means teams like the Mets and hmm, probably the Cardinals. Trying to think who else are all on the clock. Yeah, I was going to say that the Guardians, it would be fun, but oh, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if they hit enough to come up with some. they got to get on that first, and then the, the home run celebration will come. So I hope at some point I can bring some first-person perspective to this golden age of home run sellies. I'm never going to let that phrase go. But for now, I'll listen to you tell me about all the other teams. So that'll do it for this week's podcast. 
Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or you have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you next week.